Stuff Electricians Should Know is brought to you by electricianslibrary.com. Welcome to Stuff Electricians Should Know, where I bring you bite-sized bits of useful information, usually in the form of an answer to a question that every electrician should know. So today I'm going to give a couple of Instagram shout-outs. Uh, first one goes to at Dylan McRae, at D-I-L-L-O-N-M-C-R-A-E. Uh, he says, just a young electrical Padawan exploring the world. And uh, also a shout-out to at Inked73, I-N-K-E-D-73, husband, father, and electrician in New England. Thanks a lot for the love and support, and uh, just keep on keeping on, my friends. Uh, you guys are awesome. So anyways, in today's episode, episode 51, I'd like to cover uh, seven simple enclosure no-nos. Now, some of these are some of these are simple, some aren't uh, so well-known, and some, you know, they're just an issue because you run across it because someone else was too lazy to do it right the first time. And now you have to come behind and fix it. So if you want to get out your copy of the NEC and you can follow along, that'd be great. If not, you can just pull it out later, take a look at some of the some of the code references that I'm looking at here. So number one, uh, no, no, number one, no bonding of the metal enclosure. So let's jump over to article 250 and we're going to look at 250.4A, 2, 3, 4, and 5. All right, so if we look at 250.4A2, grounding of electrical equipment, normally non-current carrying conductive material, materials, enclosing electrical con- conductors or equipment, or forming part of such equipment shall be connected to earth so as to limit the voltage to ground on these materials. And then in three, bonding of electrical equipment, normally non-current carrying conductive material, enclosing electrical conductors or equipment, or forming part of such equipment shall be connected together and to the electrical supply source in a manner that establishes an effective ground fault current path for bonding of electrically conductive materials and other equipment. Uh, basically says things of similar nature. And then number five, effective ground fault current path, electrical equipment and wiring and other electrically electrically conductive material likely to become energized shall be installed in a manner that creates a low impedance circuit facilitating the operation of the overcurrent device or ground detect ground detector for high impedance grounded systems. So these are basically telling us that, uh, you know, the metal enclosure that's not normally carrying a current, it needs to be bonded to the rest of the grounding system just in case there, you know, happens to be a fault that could lead to a dangerous situa- situation on the piece of metal. I, uh, I covered that in episodes 49 and episode 26. All right, number two, we're going to jump to article 314.15 and, uh, See that if our enclosures are going to be in a damp location, they need to be rated for a damp location. So let's go ahead and read that. Uh, 314.15, damp or wet locations. In damp or wet locations, boxes, conduit bodies, outlet box hoods, and fittings shall be placed 
or equipped so as to prevent moisture from entering or accumulating within the box, conduit body, or fitting. Boxes, conduit bodies, outlet box hoods, and fittings installed in wet locations shall be listed for use in wet locations. So we need to make sure that our boxes are listed to be in the wet locations. Kind of common sense there. All right, number three is box fill. Now this is this is one important rule that's so commonly ignored and you know really shouldn't be. So 314.16, we're gonna hang out right there in 314 for a little bit. But 314.16, number of conductors in outlet device and junction boxes and conduit bodies. Boxes and conduit bodies shall be of an approved size to provide free space for all enclosed conductors. In no case shall the volume of the box, as calculated in 314.16a, be less than the fill calculation, as calculated in 314.16b, the minimum volume for conduit bodies shall be as calculated in 314.16c. Now, the provisions of this section shall not apply to terminal housing supplied with motors or generators. And then if you go down through A and B and C, then it gives you the outlines for conduit and box and conduit body fill. So why is box fill so important? Well, an enclosure that's got you know too many conductors, it's exceeded, it's exceeded the maximum number of conductors, uh, allowed may generate heat faster than it can be dissipated. If you take that heat and combine it with you know the combustible materials that uh, typically surround the enclosures, and you know it just makes a bad situation worse. You know, not to mention uh, the extra force that you've got to apply to stuff all those conductors in the box to be able to put the cover on. You know, doing this can loosen or weaken the integrity of the wire nuts in the box, and this can lead to some unwanted arcing. Okay, so number four, how about support? Are you supporting your boxes properly? Let's uh, let's jump over to 314.23, and I'm not going to read all of 314.23, but let's just suffice it to say that this pretty much covers the supporting needs of just about everything out there and so you know there aren't really any excuses uh, for not uh, supporting your boxes so 314.23 supports enclosures within the scope of this article shall be supported in accordance with one or more of the provisions of 314.23 a through h Surface mounting, structure mounting, nails and screws, braces, mounting and finished surfaces, suspended ceilings, framing members, support wires, uh, raceway supported enclosures, you know, uh, enclosures in concrete and masonry, pennant boxes, flexible cord, conduit, you know, it covers covers just about everything there. So, uh, so make sure you're aware with how uh, how you need to support your boxes. Uh, when you when you start installing them, okay. Number five, like I mentioned in number three, you've got to be able to put a cover on the box on the enclosure. And not only do you need to be able to put it on there, but three fourteen twenty five tells us that you have to, which again is just common sense, right? 
So 314.25. Covers and canopies. In completed installations, each box shall have a cover, base plate, lamp holder, or luminaire canopy, except where the installation complies with 410.24b. Screws used for the purpose of attaching covers or other equipment to the box shall be either machine screws matching the thread gauge or size that is integral to the box or shall be in accordance with the manufacturer's instructions. All right, number six, how about access? Access always needs to be easy, right? How big of a pain is it to have to move a bunch of junk just to get into a panel? But even worse, how about having to find a box that's been buried in the drywall somewhere? Okay, Article 314.29 helps us know what needs to happen here. And of course, if you've got, uh, if you've got somebody that's not going to follow the code anyways, then they're not going to pay attention to this. But when you go back through and you find this and you fix it, then you can make it right. Boxes, conduit bodies, and handhole enclosures shall be installed so that the wiring contained in them can be rendered accessible without removing any part of the building or structure or in underground circuits without excavating sidewalks, paving earth, or other substance that is to be used to establish the finished grade. Now here's an exception. Listed boxes and handhole enclosures shall be permitted where covered by gravel, light aggregate, or non-cohesive granulated soil if their location is effectively identified and accessible for excavation. So your boxes can't be buried somewhere so that you have to remove part of the structure or the building or whatever finished finished area to be able to access them. They've always got to be accessible if that's where one of your splices is going to be. All right, last but not least, your enclosure is not rated to be in a classified area in which it is. So articles 501 through 503, uh, special installations, cover the beast that's the classified areas. And we're basically told that you must use enclosures that are rated to be in that specific classification. You know, pretty much like all these common sense, but uh, we all know that common sense isn't so common these days. But just know that if you're installing in a classified area, you need to make sure that your enclosure matches the classification of the area that it's going in. So those are uh, seven enclosure no-nos that you need to be aware of. Sometimes it's easy to get in a hurry. You might uh, you might miss something. You might forget. But for the most part, these are all pretty pretty easy to remember. Um, if you come across some of these, make sure and make sure and fix them. You know, do your customer a favor and uh, show them that you actually care about what you're doing. But just uh, you know, put forth a little bit of effort. Do it right the first time, and uh, know that if you ever have a question, it's always you know it's always right there in the code. You should never. Never uh, go without finding the answer to that. So thanks again for tuning in to uh, Stuff Electricians Should Know. Uh, we're starting this uh, once a week, a little bit longer, a little bit longer episodes here. So I'd like your feedback. I'd like to know how you feel about this or uh, if you like the uh, shorter two episodes a week better. So anyways, uh, thanks again for tuning in. Make sure and tell a friend. Head over to electricianslibrary.com. And uh, until next time. Stay grounded.